0: Thank you for joining the Fastest Known Podcast. We don't mess around. We get right to the point. And a quick point I want to mention right now is people have said how much they enjoyed the podcast. And so to help your friends find it, please go to the Apple iTunes Store and rate us. Five stars wouldn't be too bad. And if you want to post a review, please do that as well. Again, it's just to help other people find this and hopefully enjoy as you're enjoying it. We have a guest here and we're gonna start with a little quiz because he's in person. This is not virtual. We're sitting right next to each other. So let's see if we can guess. This person did the FKT and the Ice Age Trail last year. He's a North Face sponsored athlete. And he's, he's looking pretty good. Oh wait, he also did the Eco Challenge, AKA the World's Toughest Race. We saw him on TV. And, and how else, in case they haven't guessed, how else would you describe yourself? How, what other hints would you like to give?
1: Um, I would say I am known for a crop top and a Speedo.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Good hint. <laughs> <laughs> The Speedo is looking good on, uh, on the uh, Discovery Channel. That that was, that was good. No, I'm sorry. That was, that was uh, HBO, wasn't it?
1: Amazon Prime. Amazon
0: Prime. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. So go to Amazon Prime. It's a 10-part series. And you can see Corey Waltering wa- rocking the Speedo on uh, Amazon Prime. Welcome, Corey. Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fun.
0: Now, you are passing through Mm -hmm. Boulder, Colorado. You're going from, I think, the Midwest, but I heard you just say that you're going to be in Colorado for a month. So what's up? What are you up to right now?
1: Yeah. um, So I'm currently just kind of kicking off a training block for High Lonesome 100. Um, I'm really excited for that course, um, but it is, you know, up high.
0: So coming from Illinois, I need to do some altitude training. That's true. So high lonesome is at the end of July. It yes. takes place down in the Sawatch Range, uh-huh. which is actually the highest range in America. Yes. Period. So, um, wow. Yeah, so you're going to be spending a month down there? or?
1: Um, I'm, kind, I'm kind of going to be all over. Um, I'm actually heading out to Utah right now for a race at uh, Brighton Ski Resort. Um, there's like a 6.7 mile race out there that has like 3,400 feet of elevation gain. Oh, that's
0: the Wasatch steeplechase.
1: Uh, no, it's the Cirque series. Oh, yep. So I'm super pumped for that. Um, I've never really spent any time in those mountains. So that will be really fun. And then I'm doing the Silverton Alpine 50K oh. uh, the next weekend, You know, just trying to get in a supportive long run while I'm up there. Um, I'm going to help Aravipa with their live stream of the 12-mile race on Sunday. Um, and then I'm headed back to Estes Park um, for a little campaign that they're using me
0: for up there. You're a road warrior.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. I love it
0: wow good work And you race a lot yes so i'm looking here and let's see how many races have you done this year it looks like seven seven so far in 2021 and it's interesting here i'm trying to sort it out you're a fast guy which i appreciate a, a 3209 10k a 226 a sub 230 marathoner sub 230 is, is highly credible and a 530 50 but then we're looking at the uh, black canyon 100k whoa kind of dropped back there a little bit so it's it's kind of interesting you, you go to a certain distance and then then what happens
1: Yeah, um, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, So this year I did do the Black Canyon 100K on Saturday and then the 60K on Sunday um, as like a longer supported effort uh, because I'd planned on going after the Arizona Trail FKT and then uh, just kind of dealing with injuries and snow and decided not to do that. Um, but Black Canyon this year is actually my 100k PR, um, which is wild because, um, I think I only ran like, I don't know, maybe 1150 or 12 hours or something like that. And, um, I just have not been able to figure out that distance. Uh, I've dropped out of, I think four different 100ks already. (laughs) Um, which is wild because I finished every 100 that I've started, like every 100 mile race I've finished. So I don't know.
0: Indeed. Well, that's how it goes with running. Yeah. We, we, we want to be as rational as possible. We want to get these training plans to lead to a certain result, but it's hard to tell what's going to happen.
1: Absolutely. And it's just, it's wild though. I mean, I've put in some amazing training blocks leading into hundred K races and just absolutely blow up in them. And it's not even like I'm going out too fast. It's just, it just doesn't seem to work for me. But um, oddly enough, During like 100K and even 100 mile races, I get to about mile, I'd say 39 to 45, and things just kind of start falling apart for me in there. But then in 100 mile races, my last 20 miles is normally actually like my fastest 20 of the race. So there's something in there, I think, of, you know, the breakdown and then being able to come back from that and finish strong.
0: Wow. Wow interesting story interesting yeah i have i have zero advice except it is sort of a bit of luck sometimes involved sometimes unpredictable the next 100k could go just fine
1: maybe i mean hopefully (laughs) i mean i I would enjoy that um Mm -hmm. they'd be way more fun if you know i could finish a couple hours faster um, and actually enjoy it
0: (laughs) well um of course that brings us to the fkt action and you set the uh, FKT in the Ice Age Trail. That was no 100K. Ice Age Trail's big. That was in uh, 2020, actually about exactly two, year, two years ago. Almost oh, this to year. this year. W- uh, last year, I mean, so, I'm sorry, yeah. last year to this week, you were nominated for a Fastest Time of the Year award for that, and Ice Age Trail is you know, 1,000 miles. So you had time to, time to, time for all sorts of things to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, and everything that could happen did happen. Um, you know, from injuries to weather to everything being shut down because of COVID. Um, that one was, Ice Age was very interesting Um, Trying to do an FKT that long during COVID was a lot more challenging than we thought it would be. Um, Just because, like, campgrounds are closed, bathrooms were closed, and then doing it in June is just an awful time to do it because the ticks and the mosquitoes are so bad in Wisconsin at that time of year that it was, uh, I almost quit on the second day.
0: I I can believe that. Uh, Now, June is... Bug season. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, So that's why I'm actually going back this year in October and I'm going to run the reverse direction and hopefully set the FKT for uh, westbound.
0: Ah, you're doing the whole enchilada because the Ice Age is broken into sections, but you're going for the whole deal. Yep.
1: All 1,200 miles again.
0: Dang. Wow. Now there's going to be some headlamp running.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With an October start, I mean, we only have not a lot of daylight at that point, which is totally fine. Um, I'm actually a better night runner than I am a daytime runner, anyway. So um, on most, like last year for Ice Age, uh, we we had a plan that we wanted to be on the trail by about seven a.m. every day. And, like, I'm just not a morning person. And so, um, originally, we were going to be on the trail at 5.30 every day. And I woke up on the day we were going to start and was like, I'm going back to bed. We'll start at 7. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, you made a quick change on the fly. Yep. So, um, we kind of stuck to that, like, 7, 7.30 a.m. start, except for a few days. But um, you know, I just found that it really wasn't necessary to start that early, um, and so now I've actually changed the the plan for like FKTs like this to just wait and you know start whenever I wake up that morning. Um, you know, have breakfast, just get ready for what's going to be happening. So I mean, if that means we start at 10 a.m. or we start at noon, I'm totally fine with that because you know it's it's not the day. It's just once the clock starts, then the clock starts. Um, so I, like, I prefer to run at night though.
0: That's really interesting. You're, you're, you're a night person. That's, I mean, there's some people who just biorhythmically are morning people. Some people are night people.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, it's like the first when we were starting at seven every day, like the first maybe three hours of the day were absolutely miserable for me. I mean, they're gonna be miserable anyway just because you've been out there for almost three weeks. But, um, you know, the first three hours are just pretty slow. Um, I'd have to start out walking in the morning and just like, I just wasn't mentally in it. And then, you know, we'd get to around 11 a.m. or so, and things would start to click. And then by mid-afternoon, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm actually really excited to be here. And then when the sun would go down, it's like I'd get a second wind. And from probably, honestly, from 8 p.m. till about 11 p.m. were my most productive hours um, on
0: Ice Age. That's very interesting. And so by going in October, it's like, whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, great, you know, we can start at 10 a.m. And, I mean, we're only losing, what, like 90 minutes of daylight at that point. Um, But then it's like, we can still go. If we start at 10 a.m., then we can push until 2 or 3 in the morning. And that's what I think is going to be really key for me.
0: And I think it's important that your crew is also nighttime, night people,
1: too, I would imagine. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely hard on the crew. Um, But like, luckily, I have a lot of night owls on the crew. So we're good.
0: (laughs) Okay, here's a technical question. Since you're obviously well versed in this topic. What's the headlamp? What kind of headlamp do you use?
1: Um, you know, I use a bunch of different headlamps. Um, Just, it really kind of depends. Sometimes, I mean, I don't even use a headlamp. Sometimes I use, like, a handheld flashlight. Sometimes I'll use, like, a waist belt. Um, I don't really have one that I'm super particular to.
0: Okay. Well, interestingly enough, uh, when I started doing this, handhelds were the way to go. There wasn't really headlamps, and headlamps just took over. I don't use headlamps running, because I don't like the night vision I get. Yeah. You know, your, your eye and the headlamp are at the same angles. So you can't differentiate. You have minimal depth perception. If there's any fog or dust, it's illuminating it. So I like to do a handheld, and I drop it down low so I have a different angle. And also, then I don't have to turn my head to look off to the side.
1: Yep, I, I completely agree with that. Um, and I also found out that in, like, super foggy conditions, like, this is completely different, but... Um, I never understood why some races require like two headlamps, and then as at Ultra Trail Mount Fuji in just like this really really foggy um, conditions, and I realized oh if I have a headlamp on I still can't really see that far, but if I use the second one as a handheld then all of a sudden I can actually see, and that's when I realized oh maybe I should start using handhelds or waist lights and stuff like that.
0: Good. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I when I'm, of course, if you're biking, if you're skiing, if you're climbing, it's totally different. But for running, handhelds, handhelds are fine. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, why not? Okay. Well, thanks for the tip on that. So your most recent project, of course, was the Pinoti uh, Pinoti Trail, down there in Alabama and Georgia. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that that was a. Uh, you had to work at that one, didn't you?
1: Absolutely. I mean that was three hundred and forty nine miles. Um about fifty thousand feet of elevation gain. And um that one was that was tough. I mean we we only took about a week to plan this, and our planning consisted of sitting in an Airbnb in Chattanooga, and we were watching YouTube videos on the trail, trying to figure it out. <laughs> um, and so, like, we had never we had never put you know feet on the trail before, like we'd never seen the trail. Uh, I just knew what the trails in you know the southeast are like, and said, you know what, let's go for it.
0: Okay, that was done just this April, five days, seven hours. And um, interesting. would it be would it be safe to say that your forte is not methodical pre-planning?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I don't like the logistics and the planning of it just because like that just gives you way too much time to think, um, which I understand that for like some of these longer efforts, it would really help if I'd plan something or uh, maybe be a little bit more technically prepared for it, I guess. Um, but I think that's kind of part of the fun. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't like spreadsheets. <laughs>
0: I like it. That's a good summary. I don't like spreadsheets because uh, Chrissy Mail one time told me she loved spreadsheets and she lived on spreadsheets. And you're the opposite. You're just going to go out there and just hit it.
1: Absolutely. Um, I just like to go into these efforts, you know, with as much fitness as possible. Um, and I just believe that I can go do it. Um, and I luckily have a great crew that is amazing at just, you know, figuring out where they need to be or where resupply spots are and all of that. So like, I let them take care of that. And my job is just to get down the trail.
0: Nice. So you're going to run it and they're going to, the more than i are going to say, go that way. Yep. See in two hours. Absolutely. And it's amazing. Um, I, I, I love that.
1: Um, you know, I have like the gut hooks app on my phone. So I have the trail, uh, map with me. And so luckily it's like, cool, I have that. And that's all I really need.
0: I like it. All right. And that'll still work on ice age, which like you say, 1300 miles, um, that's a long, so you're, wow, you've got a solid crew now that I think about it. Cause you know, they're, they're out there for three bloody weeks. Yeah. Like
1: all of three weeks, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, my crew for ice age the first time, I mean, my husband, Tom was out there for the whole 21 days. Uh, Kevin was our Kevin Youngblood. He was our photographer, media person, media contact, Um, he was out there for all 21 days of that. Um, and then two of the athletes that I was coaching also came out for different parts of it. Um, like Igor was out there for about probably two of the weeks and then Abe was out there for about 10 days of it. Um, so I mean, I had, you know, the same people there the whole time. Um, and then same thing with like pin Hody, like Kevin was crew chief for that one. So he was crew chief and media and photographer on that. Um, and then Dreamlens media came out for that and they were there for the full five days. And, um, even though they were documenting everything, they still ended up being, you know, part of the crew and just having to be like, Oh, like we need food or we need this or whatever. And they would go get it. So, I mean, I, everyone was so great.
0: Wow. Is there a video going out of the, coming out of the Pinhody effort?
1: Yep. That should be out sometime this fall. So uh, I'm pretty excited for that. Um, just because that's the first time I've really had a film crew there for the whole like trail experience. So like, yeah, we have Kevin documenting stuff with pictures and he puts up the daily updates, but then to have like the film crew out there on the trail, um, I had pacers that had GoPros with them. So like, you guys get to see me like crawling over trees and like crossing rivers with like 10 miles to go and like just all this stuff. And I'm just like, where's the end of this trail? <laughs> like it has to be here. And, um,
0: yeah, so that will be really exciting. It will be. So make sure you guys send us a note in case I miss it. Yeah. And then listeners will put it into the, um, description of the Pinhodi route page. Yeah. You know, go here for this, uh, Video. That sounds like a, it'll be a good video. Yeah. Sounds like it's gonna show the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, which is which is fun because comparing like Ice Age and Pinhody, um they were completely different experiences for me. Uh, there is a video out about Ice Age uh, that was pretty cool, um, and then Ice Age for me, it was. There wasn't a lot of like mental mental like highs and lows, I guess. Like everything was pretty level for me. Um whereas Pinhoti, it was a lot of internal struggle, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, and just really having to work through that. And I I don't know that that's what I was expecting it to be. And so, um, so I'm really excited to see how the video gets edited and just uh, just what they do with it because it's going to be fun.
0: Well, here's the question I got to ask: So if one's passing through the Pinhoti Trail area down there in Alabama, one is passing through a f- more than a few Confederate flags flying, you know, off the mailboxes and so forth. You know, maybe this is you know good old boys hanging on onto their heritage maybe it's a little more aggressive than that. I I have no idea. But as a black man who's out there at night, did you feel safe or uncomfortable or did you feel fine?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. And, um, you know, it's... It's one of those things that I didn't necessarily even think about before I started the trail because in my head is like, oh, this is a 350 mile trail. I'm going to the south and I'm going to go get this FKT. Um, and then um, we're at the Pinote Outdoor Center the day before we started and we were talking to Nathan and his wife and they were just amazing, just giving us tips on the trail. And they're like, by the way, like at mile, like, 13 or whatever it is they're like you're gonna see just a giant confederate flag out there and they're like you know this isn't racism they're like this is you know it's just people trying to hold on to their heritage and in my head is like oh okay yeah like whatever i mean it it's a giant flag like huge (laughs) and it's on a giant flagpole but i'm like you know Okay, like, I'm not gonna let that stop me from this effort or anything like that. And actually, I almost felt like it was more important to be out there doing that just because... Um... People want the outdoors to be a an open and safe place for all people, but historically the outdoors haven't necessarily always been you know that open and uh, just available to everybody. So by doing the Pinhoti Trail, like I just wanted to bring awareness to like, hey, this trail is out here. Um, yes, it is in the south. Um, overall, like I, I felt safe, um, even though the first night, like I did the first night pretty much alone. Um, and that was, was definitely an interesting experience, like leaving my crew um, as the sun was setting and just knowing that I'm going out into the dark, I just have a headlamp on, like here we go. Um, and not really knowing the area that well. And, um, luckily there are some trail runners in the area that saw that I didn't have a pacer for that first night. And so they came out around like probably 11 PM and said, Hey, like we can pace you through the night if you'd enjoy that. And like, thank God, you know, like at least there's someone that knows this trail. I'm not going to be alone out on the trail. Um, and so like, I never felt unsafe, but there were a couple times that people in the area that knew I was doing the trail would like drive up to the crew and they're like, Hey, like, is Corey out there alone? If he is, like, does he have a gun or does he have a knife or yeah. something? Um, and for them, they were, my crew is just like, I don't know, like, does he? like? And so it's just like, and it was interesting because um, the, the people that were saying this weren't necessarily worried about, um, like, racism, like, acts of violence like that way but there there are a lot of like drug problems in some of those areas and so they're more worried about like somebody with drugs like being more aggressive than more of like a race thing
0: that's an amazing story yeah and it says a lot about you hopefully it says a lot about our country you know like they, they were saying okay there's some folks down there who probably do not necessarily share your political views or mine, but they're they're good folks. They're they're doing what they're doing and that's all good. And the concern for your safety was really about this drug disaster, this whole war on drug thing, has been a phenomenal failure. And there's far, far more people dying of overdoses from illegally prescribed opioid medications than from anything else. But that's a tangent. But they were they were worried about that, and you uh, you just said, hey, I'm just going to throw down. I'm going to go do this, and you did it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, um, and, like, it was amazing. The people along that trail were honestly just really awesome people. Um, pacers were coming out of the woodwork. They were like, hey, like— we, they're like, yeah, I still have to work, you know, my eight to five or whatever, but then I'm going to come out and I'm going to pace you from 7 p.m. till 3 a.m. and then go home to sleep for a couple hours, then go back to work and then come back and pace. And um, like, that was awesome. People are making
0: it. These are people you did not try to find. They just showed up and said, hey, Corey's out here. I want to throw down.
1: Yeah. People saw that I was alone for that first night and they just said, hey, like, I'm going to come out and help you. And then they just kept coming back. So it was really awesome. Um, And then uh, people were dropping off homemade food. Like one of the nights it dropped to like 26 degrees and I was just freezing. We had gone through like three water crossings overnight and I'm just, I was freezing and it was like five o'clock in the morning and I'm just like, actually I said this probably at like 11 p.m. I'm like, can anyone find me soup? I'm like, and I don't want chicken and stars soup because that's what I normally use. But I'm like, I don't want that. Like I want actual food. Like I want a good salad soup. And so someone saw that on social media and I can't remember what her name was, but she was awesome. And she made uh, two homemade soups and then ran them out to us in the middle of the <laughs> woods in the middle of nowhere. And that was just so amazing, you know, cause she's like, yeah, you're cold. Like I'll make you homemade soup and bring it out. Like just so many awesome things like that.
0: These are wonderful stories. Yeah, I, I really appreciate hearing these stories because if you look at social media, sometimes you see these culture wars taking place, which is why I'm generally not on social media because when I meet people, I'm kind of okay with almost anyone I've ever met. If I'm face to face with someone, I'm I feel like, hey, we're all in it together. Well, it seems to be maybe the media likes controversy. I don't know. I'm not sure what to say about this, but I appreciated your story.
1: Yeah, thanks. I mean, same thing with um, same thing with Ice Age. You know, like um, the George Floyd incident happened. You know, three maybe four days before I was starting Ice Age, and the Ice Age Trail starts an hour north of Minneapolis on the Wisconsin Minnesota border. And so that was another wild one where, like, Kevin was flying in from Vegas, and he was flying into Minneapolis, but then the highway was shut down. So, like, even before, you know, even before this FKT attempt was starting, we're already coming into problems of, like, oh, can I get my crew from the airport to the start of this race, or the FKT, you know? And then... um, it was very interesting because like northern Wisconsin is very rural, and um, you don't always see a ton of people out there. There are plenty of Confederate flags in Wisconsin too, um, and it it was interesting because um, I rolled my ankle on day five of Ice Age, didn't tell my crew about it till day seven, and then on basically day eight, um, I was I was like forty miles ahead of record pace or something like that. And then like my ankle is just like, you, you can't go anymore, like here you go. So we're just icing my ankle on the side of a trail and we just went on Facebook live and we're like, hey, like this is what we're doing. Uh, my ankle's not really that great, like just, you know, if, um, if we're just, it's like I'm not going to quit, but we didn't really know what to do at that point. So people started commenting, they're like, oh, like what would Corey like to eat, or what would Corey like to drink, or how can we help? And so at that point, I was craving lasagna and red velvet cupcakes. So I...
0: (laughs) Okay, right. That's how it works in the ultra world. We get kind of specific sometimes when there's nothing else to think about.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, those are the two things that I wanted, lasagna and red velvet cupcakes. So... People in Wisconsin saw this, and I kid you not, people are making homemade lasagnas and running them out to the trailhead in the middle of nowhere. People are baking homemade red velvet cupcakes and dropping them off for the crew. Um, Different breweries along the way were dropping off beer for us at trailheads. Like, just so many awesome things like that. And then so many people just invited us into their homes so that we could shower or sleep for the night or just have a home cooked meal and sit down at the table with them and their family and it was amazing because you know my crew is normally like 3 4 sometimes 5 people and they're just like oh yeah we have beds for you or we have couches or just you know you can sleep on the floor or whatever you want and so even though we we're in like these small like rural places people are still so friendly and especially at that time, I thought it was an extremely important story to get out there. I wanted everybody to know that, and I wanted people to know that I felt safe out there.
0: Wow, good. That, I'm, I'm still processing this. This is There's a lot to what you just said. You mentioned rural areas. Now, rural areas, I'm just gonna kind of go off on this one sure. a little bit if, if we don't mind. Uh, generally speaking, i voted Republican. Sure. And yet, in my personal experience, rural people are the nicest people I tend to encounter. And so I'm not trying to make any connections here, but maybe I'm trying to, maybe I am. But generally speaking, when I'm out there in the hinterlands, people are taking care of each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's just just really awesome. Um, And, you know, I think part of it also being from the Midwest, like the Midwest actually is a friendly place. Like that's just, that's how we are.
0: Well, I'm from Michigan, so sure. I, I would uh, I would I would strongly uh, agree with you on that one, Corey. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> so here's a broader question, kind of building on this one. So in the uh, the distance running community, particularly the ultra running community, there's not a lot of Black folks. No. And so, how does this work for you? I mean, do you care? Do you feel isolated? Do you, I mean just? you're a very articulate thoughtful person so what does this feel like to you
1: yeah um honestly for me when i got into the sport um i never really thought about it cuz like my hometown of ottawa illinois is about the uh, 18 to 19,000 people um and as i was growing up like there were maybe 10 black kids in my high school so, um, like, because of that, like, I've always just kind of been surrounded by, you know, white people, um, and um, it just it wasn't ever necessarily like an issue for me. I was also adopted, and my parents are white, and so, like, for me, like that—that's just kind of what I've always known. So, um, then after college, like, college is the first time I actually had, you know, like, probably a 50-50 split of, like, black people and white people.
0: Which college was that?
1: Um, Greenville College in Southern Illinois. Um, And so, that was kind of an interesting experience for me, I guess, because, you know, it was almost kind of like too too white for the black folks but too black for the white folks so like i was just kind of my own thing but everybody always just knew me as Corey. like he's a great athlete like he that's just how people knew me so um it was very interesting that way i guess and then i moved to boulder actually um i didn't know that you lived here for a while yep Yep. I moved to Boulder and I was here for probably six months and then moved up to Leadville for a year. Um, and so once again, like very, you know, white communities. Oh, whoa. <laughs> no, if you're,
0: yeah. Well, this is amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I mentioned I'm from Michigan. Yep. Our high school is about 20 percent or maybe 25 percent black. So I kind of sure. grew up yeah. high ratio than you did. Yeah. And I move out to Boulder and that's the end of that. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Boulder is the end of that. Leadville continued
1: to be the end of that.
0: Um, and so
1: like that's how I kind of got into the trail running world and stuff, just being out here. like, Because before I moved to Boulder, I was a triathlete. Um, I had been to Worlds twice for the half Ironman and wanted to become a professional triathlete. Um, and just started hanging out with mountain bikers and trail runners out here. And I was like, whoa, this is so wild. Like, people actually like run on trails like i didn't know that it was a sport i didn't know it was a thing and like the only mountain biking i knew was stuff you saw on like red bull tv you know (laughs) like so that's all i knew of it so getting into the sport um just it was really fun and just i was hanging out with really cool people and i still get to hang out with really cool people and so for me like the race thing hasn't been an issue, um, and it hasn 't felt isolating or i haven't felt alone in it and i 've just uh, really just really enjoyed the connections i 've made with people however um it does become interesting when I hear stories of other people of color in the sport and how they feel isolated or, you know, they, they maybe have a different experience with trail running than I do. Um, because you know, they aren't always towards the front of the pack. And so like, that's, um, that's where, um, I guess we have some work to do and just figure out ways to make people feel more included or, um, you know, or increase the amount of diversity in the outdoors. But it's not something that you can just enforce. Like, you can't just be like, hey, like, here's 10 black people. Let's just have them go do this race because we need more diversity. Like, you have to actually, they have to want to do it. And we need to find a way to make people feel safe.
0: Damn. Wow. We, we, we need to write this down. And uh, it's like a mission statement. So well spoken, Corey. And thank you for your perspective because... I'm, I just want to make sure everyone knows that I do not know. And so I'm, I'm around someone like you. I'm just going to ask the question, how do you feel? I'm just going to listen. And that was, uh, that was good. You educated me. I very much appreciate that.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: <laughs> and things appear to be going. Oh, by the way, and there's something called the Running Industry Diversity Council, which fkt.com joined just as a way of uh, talking about it, like you say, of trying to in- increase awareness and so forth. But things, if I may say, appear to be going fairly well because you pulled up here, yep, in that <laughs> nice looking Ford Bronco. You're rocking this new Bronco, so congratulations!
1: Yeah, thank you. I love it. Um, yeah, so Ford started an, an ambassador program for uh, the the new Bronco, the Bronco Sport. You know, they're bringing it back. And it's just really awesome. They they have some trail athletes, some climbers, some photographers, um, and just some like overall adventure athletes. And it's just a really cool community of athletes that they have. Um, you know, from all walks of life, and just getting us out there into the outdoors, just forcing us to explore. Um, and like I think it's really really cool.
0: Yeah, congratulations. That's a that's a nice ride. I remember if I got a box of free power bars, I was just like stoked, like, wow, man, I, I count. I mean something.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we've all been there, though, you know, and um, it has been a pretty wild journey going from uh, basically triathlon to um, just ultras and then getting sponsored and now this. I mean, um, it's, it's been a few years, but it's totally worth it.
0: Dang, what a great progression. Tries. I didn't know you did tries. Tries are serious. Yes. I mean, this 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 doesn't really fit. I mean, what you just said about your personality type, I don't like spreadsheets. Try guys love... Try guys eat spreadsheets for breakfast.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, like, when I was doing triathlon stuff, like, I had a coach, and I was basically just like, cool, you tell me what to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to look at my power numbers, I'm not going to look <laughs> at, like, pace and whatever, because, like, I just... I don't, I didn't care. Um, and so like, that's why, that's one of the things I just didn't like about triathlon was everything was so calculated and I'm like, this, this is not my world. <laughs>
0: and, and, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just laughing. I'm trying yeah. to picture you in the tri community. I'm going, hmm.
1: Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> a lot of people laugh when they hear that as a triathlete because they're like, you don't act like one. They're like, it just, that doesn't seem like something you would do. Um, and like same thing with the marathon though.
0: Like oh, yeah. yeah those they yeah they have a training plan. They're going to execute that training plan. Their every mile goes by their watch is going to beep and they're going to be within 5 seconds of their per mile pace.
1: Absolutely. And you know that that was a world that I tried to do for a couple of years like mixing that with ultras And I just really did not enjoy the marathon training, like just having to do a specific long run of, you know, X amount of miles at X pace and all that stuff is like, this is not fun. (laughs) Like, I like to have fun. I like things to be about the adventure. I like to go explore. So then when you put me on a road for like a 24 mile long run, I'm just like, oh my God, when does this end?
0: (laughs) Well, it ended when you picked up trail running, didn't it?
1: uh pretty much like that was the beginning of the end of marathoning for me i think um which ended up being a great choice
0: right well welcome to the wonderful wild woolly world of fkts <laughs> which is kind of the opposite now creativity is a component here you have to you have to invent your own adventure you can't just sit here because no one's going to tell you go run the Pinhoti trail or the ice age trail and then someone's gotta figure it out. There's a, a modicum of logistics that must be accomplished. The navigation, the weather, et cetera, et cetera, food, et cetera, et cetera. But culturally, there is the let it flow attitude. There's kind of, there's an art to the FKT. So it's, it's definitely a sport, but kind of like climbing, there's an artistic element that is part of the culture.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what really draws me to it. Um, Cause like, once again, like I love trail racing. Like I enjoy that. I think, you know, whoever comes up with these different courses and stuff, like amazing, something like Cocodona 250, like that's an amazing course. And it takes you through some just really, you know, awesome spots of Arizona that most people would probably never see otherwise. And just like any of those races, like great. Like I love that. But then the fact when you can get out and do an FKT of, like, a trail that's already there, or maybe you establish your own, like, I think that's just really, really awesome.
0: Nice. It's kind of like climbing in that regard, in that there's first ascents and climbing, which are lauded, and there's obviously new routes in fkt or you can go out and do a standard routes. So there's an interesting climbing, in my opinion, analogy here, or, or a correlation, where the the style is also important. It's not just the number.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it is awesome. Like, I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you have brought a little bit of in my personal opinion, sorry, here I'm editorializing, badly needed style to the sport. Like when your, your little hint that you gave the listeners, you know, rocking the Speedos, it's like, okay, this guy's, this guy's not shy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which is, which can be very interesting at times, because uh, I like to think of myself as like an extroverted introvert, um, which I think is why these longer efforts are actually amazing for me. Um, Because, you know, you get to spend a lot of time in the outdoors, alone with your thoughts, or maybe alone or well, I guess with a pacer um, or a couple of pacers, um, but when you're out there for you know 21 days or whatever, you're not talking that whole time. And so sometimes I would just tell my pacer, "Hey, like go 15 feet up the trail." and just walk up there at the pace that we need to be on or run at the pace we need to be on. I'm going to be back here doing my thing. you be up there doing yours. Um, and so, like, I really do enjoy a lot of alone time. But then at the same time, it's like when I want to talk to people, I'm like, hey, where are you? Like, come right here, and we're going to talk, and here we go.
0: <laughs> Got it. Nice. Nice. Well, this is... <laughs> Wow, this is, I'm, this, I appreciate you so much. I'm just delighted. This is really a fun conversation to have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is great.
0: So, here's a really wide open question.
1: Love it. (laughs) These are my favorite types of questions.
0: So, you've been on a number of podcasts recently uh-huh. and so you're i think the ice age trail kicked it off yes. i think i mean all of a sudden Corey Wilter, i hadn't heard of you pardon me sorry about that but ice yeah. age trail you were in national news literally that was like you said just one year ago so you've been on podcast uh, you got a really cool tnf north face sponsorship ford but what would you with no one asking you any question, what would you like to say? Whether it's something that no one knows about you, some feeling or thought that you have, advice you'd like to give. This is a pretty open question, Corey. This is a tough. This is a tough question, but I think you can manage.
1: Yeah, that is a tough question. And I just drove from Ottawa, Illinois to Boulder, Colorado, and I'm driving alone. So, I mean, I've been in the car for about 12 hours. So uh, I have plenty of time to think. Uh, And the first thing I will say is... Slower cars stay in the right lane, and then you pass in the left lane. And so, um, that is the first thing I would like to say.
0: Uh, <laughs> this is good. Like Kurt Vonnegut, the famous author, he did this uh, college commencement speech, and everyone thought he was going to do something to just, you know, just drop their jaws. And he said, "Brush your teeth every night. If your teeth fall out, it's no fun when you get older." So, it's uh This, this is good. I yeah. like this. So, stay. Stay in the the left lane, pass on the other side.
1: Yeah, and then, honestly, um, I don't know. Like, um, you should try to do something that, you know, try to learn something new every day or just try to do something that makes you uncomfortable every day. So... Um, I think that just as humans, we live lives that are like way too comfortable. Uh, We have way too many amenities, like too much, just like too much technology. So um, yeah, do something that makes you uncomfortable or puts you out of your comfort zone or just makes you learn something new. Like that's what I like to do.
0: Well, and FKTs... Guaranteed.
1: Absolutely, um, it's it's pretty wild, and I think that's another thing that really draws me to it. Um, like Ice Age for me was one of the first times that I was just like, "Whoa, I'm taking on something that I don't know if I can actually do this." Um, and and during the times of just injuries and trying to work through that out on the trail, um, that was pretty wild because it's not like I was just doing it alone. I'm like, Oh, here's a camera crew. And here's someone documenting this. And like the world was watching. And so, um, it was one of those, like, I'm trying to figure out myself and how to process all these different things. And yet I'm doing it on like a stage. And so that was, that was good. But I, I learned a lot from that. And, um, and I think that also kind of just started the, like, here we go, curiosity's kicking in again. Like, what other trails can I do? What other long experiences can I have?
0: Nice. You've told us what's coming up. Uh, your next race, next big race, is the High Lonesome down there in the uh, Sawatch, which is, is high. Yes. I mean, you, you couldn't have driven out from Illinois and... Done that the next day. That would have been awkward.
1: Yeah, so that would that would absolutely not be fun to do. So uh, I'll be in Colorado for the month, um, just kind of exploring and trying to stay up high and just you know, get ready for whatever's gonna happen at High Lonesome. Um, I can't say that I've had, you know, an amazing training block leading into this uh, because I tried to do Pinhoti and then come back about a month later for Cocadona 250. And like, I went into Cocadona like, I'm here to win this thing, that's what I wanna do. Um, I was like, I think I'm fit, I think I'm ready for it, and I have experience with the longer distance. I'm like, this is something I should absolutely be able to do. And just realized that I was not recovered from it. Um, physically, it was just like a super deep fatigue that just wouldn't go away. Um, and so I was only, I was 37 miles in when I pulled the plug and like, everyone's like, oh my God, he dropped at mile 37. Like what happened, you know? And it's like, I just, I wasn't ready. Like I was not recovered enough. So after that took some downtime and physically like didn't run, just actually went to the beach and just like laid on the beach for a week. Um, and so like, that was the first time I've actually taken a real vacation in a long time. And I thought that was super important to do. Um, and then like runs coming back were like 30 minute runs, just like, here we go. Or I'd go hike for an hour and wasn't doing anything too strenuous. And finally the body came back around and then, um, mentally kind of went through a little bit of a low in there where it's just like, uh I didn't realize exactly how much uh pinhodi took out of me uh mentally. And so like I'm good now with that side of things as well. So everything's just kind of meshing and I'm like I've only been running maybe like 50 miles a week or something, but you know, with the with the background of what I have, like 50 miles a week is still enough to be just base building and then here we
0: go. Altitude camp here we come. And welcome back to the People's Republic of Boulder. <laughs> yeah. I just drink the water and show up and you're going to get after it here. I, I
1: can't wait. And so I'm excited for it, you know, and, um, yeah. And then, yeah, hi, lonesome. And then I don't know if I, I mean, I'm signed up for other things on ultra sign up, but I don't know if I'm actually going to do them or not, but, um, but cool. And then, uh, back to ice age in October. Um, I have the eastbound FKT. So now I'd like to go after the westbound FKT.
0: And we will, you'll send us your tracker. Yep. And so it'll be on our tracking now page. So listeners, you should know we have a tracking now page. And there's a lot of things on it right now, not surprisingly, since this is June. And we have, you know, Timmy Olson yep. on the Pacific Trust Trail. We have all sorts of things happening. So you will be on this page in October. I appreciate that. And people can go to the written show notes and find your social media hashtags and handles there. Uh, in case you'd like to get, follow Corey a little bit better. And Corey, I hope we see you again in person. Person's fun. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we use our online software for most the po- almost all the podcasts, but now you and I are just sitting right here having yeah. a good convo. This, it's, this is good. I like it. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is great. So it's fun. There, there have been way too many Zoom meetings this past year, so it's nice to be able to do something in person.
0: I wish you all the best.
1: Yeah, thank you.